Do you like this show and you want to help support us? Do you want extra episodes every month? Do you want ad-free versions of the show? Then you should sign up over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro, and you'll get your very own RSS feed to put into whatever your podcatcher of choice is, and you'll be first in line for all extra content. So head on over and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. and we are back for another episode of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And my name is Derek Diamond. So how has your week been? And not too bad. I started to get into the uh, the Christmas movie watching. Yeah. Now that we're uh, <laughs> now that we're past Thanksgiving. I, I'm I'm very hardcore in the sense that Christmas time to me does not start until the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah. It so, doesn't start until Hans Gruber falls off the uh, Nakatomi Plaza. That too. <laughs> I haven't got around to watching that movie yet, but it, it is on the list. Uh, I think the highlight of it, I'm sure you heard about the the whole debacle with people trying to get tickets for the new Spider-Man. Yeah, I, I don't know the details though. So basically, all the major theater chains, mostly AMC and Regal, their sites were crashing because so many people were trying to buy tickets for that movie when they went on sale. So I pulled the app up about five minutes before they actually went on sale. They went on sale Sunday night at 11 o'clock central time. So I pulled the app up and it puts me in a a wait for, I think it was five minutes. So not Mm -hmm. too terribly long, but the problem was when the wait time was over, it let me pick the time that I wanted, but it wasn't pulling up the mm. like the layout of the room where you could pick your seats. So I had to keep refreshing the app multiple times, but it was running so slow that when I would pick my seats, it would say they weren't available. <laughs> and it took sucks. me about it took me about I'd say fifteen minutes or so, but I did get tickets. So I'm gonna get to go opening night, which I'm really excited about. That's I'm cool. just I'm just ready for the movie to come out. Like, I don't want to see any more commercials. I don't yeah. want to read anything else about it. They obviously got my money. So <laughs> I'll be, uh, I'll be going, uh, opening night. So. See my, my theater is doing a weird thing now where, um, they're not doing, they're only doing assigned seating for like one showing. Um, uh, they'll have like, you know, four or five different theater. Like I went to see ghostbusters afterlife last weekend and um, the the weekend before, I mean, and I had to wait till they only had like four showings that day of where you could actually pick your seats, and the rest of it was just regular general admission. All the other showings, I'm like, I don't know. I've been spoiled. I don't want to do that anymore. Because uh, the last movie I went to, I don't remember what I went to before that. Uh, I actually bought my tickets at the little kiosk inside, and it just spit out tickets without giving me a seat. So I took it up to the ticket taker, and he's like, you know, theater, you know, 10 to your right or whatever. And I was like, well, what seats are we? He's like, oh, uh, you're going to have to talk to the box office. I'm like, well, shit. That's the whole reason I went out went inside and used the kiosk, because I didn't want to have to wait in line. So I went outside, I waited in line, and I got up to the front and showed her. I was like, we don't have um and we don't have seats. And she's like, Oh, we don't we don't do that for some of these showings. I'm like, Well, that's nice to know. And now I'm, we're just back to Wild West of trying to find a seat in the theater. Like, no, I don't want to do that anymore. That makes no sense to why you would do assigned seatings for certain showings, but then not for others. That's like that, I don't weird. understand that at all. It makes no sense. I don't get it. The crazy thing is about this upcoming Spider-Man movie is I believe it is already past the amount of uh, tickets that were pre-sold for Infinity War. Jeez. It hasn't made it to <laughs> Endgame level yet, and I don't know that it will. If COVID weren't a factor, I think it would. But... You know, that that's 
that's a whole what if yeah. discussion. But uh, I did finally see Eternals a couple of days ago. I still haven't seen it, and you want to know something? I really, honestly, don't care. I still haven't even seen Shang Chi yet. Oh, Shang Chi's great. I know. I, think I hear really it's great, like it. but I just I'm not in any hurry to watch those movies. Eternals was okay. Like I, I didn't dislike it, but it also wasn't my favorite Marvel movie. But I do appreciate them trying something different. Yeah. Because you know, we we've seen the Marvel formula now for a long time, so I I like that they deviated from that a little bit. But I, I think what really hurt it was that you introduce so many new characters because the Eternals are a team of like 10 people. Yeah. That's not a lot of time to really get to know all these characters. So I, I think it would have benefited more from being like a Disney plus show Yeah, and have, you know, maybe 12 episodes and have one focus on each character. And then they come together and the final two are, you know, them trying to solve whatever issue they're having. So, yeah, just but it, I, it was I, all right. I don't know. Just it's not really. I don't know. It's it, I'm not in any hurry to watch it. Yeah, I I would say at this point, if you haven't seen it in theaters yet, just wait for it to come out on Disney Plus, which I believe is yeah. going to be mid January. So that's yeah, not bad. We're already in December, so you won't have yeah. that much longer <laughs> to wait. Um, I did watch uh, Ernest Saves Christmas on Disney Plus. Nice this weekend. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't feeling great all weekend and uh, wanted something funny to watch. And I was like, man, I haven't seen that. I I saw this movie in the theater when I was a kid. I'm like, this is probably going to be awful. So I watched it anyway. And I had a good time. But those movies are great for that. Yeah, they're just dumb. They're just dumb fun. Yeah. I'm a little biased towards uh, Ernest Goes to Jail. That one's... That was my personal favorite. Yeah, when I go back and watch Ernest Goes to Camp, too, I have to find that one streaming yeah. somewhere. <laughs> it's got to be somewhere. Yeah, those movies are so dumb, but I, I don't know why I enjoy them. They're just, it's, I don't know. They're just weird. Yeah, they're fun, though. But uh, we got a good bit of news to get to tonight. You ready? Yes. <laughs> Tonight's stories were submitted to us by you, the listeners, specifically Armez Jackson, Mr. Wally Phelps, the official fact checker, and of course, Carlos Longoria. I am the Rampage sends us these stories. So if you'd like to, uh, if you have a story you'd like us to cover, send them to nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. The first one up tonight is from pcgamer.com. A Marvel MMO is coming from DC Universe Online Studio, City of Heroes lead dev. An unannounced MMORPG based on Marvel IP is in the works of Dimensional Inc., the studio behind DC Universe Online and subsidiary of Daybreak Game Studio. The game's development will be led by Jack Emmert, who designed City of Heroes and who currently leads development on DCUO. Project is a long-term one, so don't expect to hear more until 2023 at the soonest. Um, Daybreak has had a lot of success as a publisher of MMOs, especially the ones that have sustained an interested audience, despite never rising to the top of the heap. Uh, they are publisher of The Lord of the Rings Online, um, which is getting a revamp along with the new Amazon TV series. And DC Universe Online is also scheduled to get an upgrade with a graphics upgrade and the largest expansion content to date scheduled for 2023. So I don't know about you, but I loved City of Heroes back in the day. I'm still a champion of wanting uh, to be able to play uh, City of Heroes. But man, if those developers are developing a Marvel universe online, I am so there. I mean, I think it's a no-brainer. I mean, we were just you know talking at length about Marvel and specifically the MCU. So I I think the Marvel property is perfect for this kind of game. The only thing that worries me personally, I love these types of games, but I get addicted to them yeah, fairly easily. So it's like <laughs> I want to play them, but I have so much other stuff that I'm doing that like I can't personally dedicate any time to them. So I I don't know that I will play it. 
I would certainly like to, but I, I this has the potential to be huge mm-hmm. because we all know the popularity of Marvel and there's just so much you could do with this type of genre. Well, the my biggest thing with City of Heroes back in the day is they had the best character creator. Um, they had the best character creator of any MMO or game, really, of all time. That's what I spent most of my time doing was making new characters because they had so many different skill sets you could do and then just what you could make your characters look like, whatever you could dream up, you could make your character look like. And I would just spend hours making new characters, running them to like level five and then deleting them and making another one and just had pages upon pages of of uh, different characters that I created. And I, if they have the same character creation um, that they did for City of Heroes... Oh man, I'm I weep for the time I'm going to be missing when this game comes out. Well, you got to think of all the different things you could add to your characters. You just go down the library see, of Marvel properties. Here's the thing, Marvel uh and I think DC at the time too had a problem with City of Heroes because City of Heroes had power sets that you could do for your heroes that were a little too close to some of the Marvel characters. Like you could have Wolverine claws and things like that. And that stuff got yanked out of the game because Marvel was getting litigious. So imagine now you could actually create Wolverine. You could have, you know, imagine a Wolverine or imagine having a Spider-Man type character where you could wall crawl and, and web, you know, web sling but could also have, you know, Wolverine claws or like any kind of combination of character you could think of. Or his healing ability. I'm so excited just thinking about this. Like, oh. oh, the the possibilities are damn near endless. Imagine a Hulk character with Wolverine claws. Like, it, oh my god. It's over with. <laughs> it, yeah. It's done. Pretty much. Now, I'll be curious to see what more comes out of this because you know, the article says don't expect to hear more until 2023, but I'm sure we'll get little updates. Yeah, I imagine if they're then. just now getting started on it, it's going to be at least 20, late 2024, 2025 before we even get a playable beta version of this game. But it'll be worth the wait, though. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Our next story comes to us from videogameschronicle.com, and this is really cool. Sony could be planning a PlayStation mobile controller. Uh, the patent, which was published, th- published this week by SIE's Japanese division, describes a system for playing games on a device coupled with two controller grips. The controller, which resembles PS4's DualShock 4 rather than PS5's newer DualSense, is described as a left-side grip portion and a right-side grip portion gripped by the left and right hands of the user. The included drawings of the device omit a shaft portion that can be tilted by the user and detect the tilting direction and tilting amount of the portion. And there's basically a drawing at the top of the article that shows what it's essentially going to look like. This, I think, is is another no-brainer. Like I, I would love yeah. to have something like this, you know, for, you know, for mobile-based games. If you want a controller like this, I think the PlayStation controller is the perfect one to model it after. Well, I think this is basically Sony's answer to not only the Switch, as far as being able to to mobile game, but mm-hmm. also they're gonna get their ass handed to them this generation, but because of Game Pass. So if they come up with something that's equal to Game Pass on the Sony side, it's game over. Uh, I mean, if they can perfect it to where you could play it on a, uh, all your PlayStation games on a smartphone, uh, mo- mobile style, dude. Knockout punch. Yeah, exactly. Like You couldn't ask for anything. This is what people want from Sony right here. I mean, it, it's, like I said, it's, I think, a brilliant move by them to do. And I, 
I would love, uh, let's see here. Because uh, there's already a... a thing like this called the Backbone. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like a Xbox-style controller that you clamp to your smartphone or, um, I think, tablet or, or whatever. But it's basically so you can play Game Pass on your mobile device and use uh, like an Xbox-style controller. It's called the Backbone. And, man, this is Sony's answer to that, and I'm here for it. It says here, if such a device comes to fruition, it could be used in conjunction with a smartphone to play PlayStation games via remote play or via the cloud, similar to how third-party controller grips can currently be used to play streamed Xbox games. So, this this could be a real game-changer, no pun intended. Yeah. For for Sony, because like you said, this generation, you know, they're at a huge disadvantage because of Game Pass. Yeah, and they got to do something. <clears throat> well, they're gonna have to get their game streaming working better because I I tried to stream games on with PlayStation, uh, not View, is it View or PlayStation Now? And um, yeah. I tried to do some game streaming, and it's not great. Uh, I kept getting disconnected from the servers and everything. So they're going to have to get all that tech worked out before before they do this, which I hope they are. I really do. I really do hope they are because I like gaming on the Sony side. I'm I'm excited about uh possibly getting an Xbox so I can, you know, play Game Pass and whatever. But um but this could be the thing that like made me really lean more towards this uh PlayStation 5 side. That'll make things tough for sure. Yeah. Uh, Next story comes from our favorite site, NintendoLife.com. Gamers vote Nintendo DS as the console they'd most like to see make a modern comeback. Um, If you could see the return of any classic video game console, what would you choose? That was the question put up to 1,000 UK gamers in a recent study by HyperOptic, all in a bid to see which system holds the highest nostalgia value. Sitting right at the very top of the votes is Nintendo's own DS, closely followed by both the PlayStation and the PlayStation 2. Um, Let's see. The Nintendo DS came in at 61%. uh, Sega Mega Drive at 57%. uh, The Game Boy Commodore 64 game system, Nintendo 64. um, Game Boy Color, Super NES. And like the NES isn't even on here this list as like the top ones. Um, that's kind of weird to me. Maybe we're finally getting old <laughs> and nobody wants Could an be. NES anymore. Yeah. Um, but what do you think about that? If, if the DS was to make a comeback, honestly, I would actually like to, I, I would probably get one because I was never really into mobile gaming until the switch came along. And now I'm like, yeah, I like gaming, like being able to sit on the couch and just have something to play in front of me. Well, the DS was a great system. You know, I think it had a, a pretty innovative concept with using the dual screens. And I, I think if this were to happen, you'd have to re-release the actual system itself because of the way a lot of the games played, they the two screens work in conjunction with each other. Yeah. So you'd have to have the physical console, which I'm assuming this is what this article means. But I, I would love it. You know, I, I really liked playing games on the DS. You know, I remember when they released Mario 64 for the DS and using both screens and like things you would do on the bottom screen would affect things on the top. Yeah. And it, it just it added a new element to that game and other games as well. And a lot of people, I think, forget how good of a system that was. And to me, it's what kept Nintendo alive during their down years. It wasn't the, I mean, the Wii sold, you know, like gangbusters, but especially during the time of the Wii U, the DS was Nintendo's golden child through that time. Yeah. And I don't think uh, Nintendo would ever, I mean, maybe one day they might do a re-release or something, you know, kind of like the way they do the, the, the mini consoles, um, put out like you know a, a Nintendo DS reissue or something like that. You know, with thirty games loaded onto it or something like that. 
But I don't think Nintendo's ever going to go back to having separate um, consoles and handheld devices. It, now that the Switch has shown that it can handle both, that's that's going to be their thing moving forward. Now, as far as having a maybe the next iter- the next version of the Switch or whatever has like a dual screen like the DS did, now that I could see them doing something like that. I think if they keep the switch model that's the next logical step yeah and then you can re-release ds games yeah, and play exactly. them the right way and then i mean that's a, a, a cool concept to have the two different screens you could have two different things going on you know like you're playing a zelda game like you have playing zelda on one screen and then on the other screen having all your inventory and all that kind of stuff it's just a cool concept to do you know that's exactly how majora's mask and ocarina of time play yeah. on the on the 3ds because it, it actually makes things a lot easier, especially with like Ocarina of Time when you have to switch between, say, like your iron boots if you're in the water temple. Instead of having to hit pause, scroll through the menu, find your, you know, your armor or your, or your tunic, your weapons and everything. You just click the iron boots on your menu at the bottom screen and you're wearing them. Yeah. So it makes things a lot easier. So honestly, I think that might be the next iteration of the Switch. It might be a dual screen Switch. You know, you could be able to play it as a single screen or then you like flip it up and it's got two screens. Like that would make the most sense to me. Yeah, I wouldn't hate that. I wouldn't hate it either. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But our last news story for this week comes to us from PCGamer.com. And no, I would not like to receive notifications from you (laughs) they haven't Uh, sent me any uh epic game store adds free retro cloud gaming platform antstream arcade which has over a thousand games including earthworm gem mortal Kombat, and a ton of ancient atari classics i love that they used ancient yeah thanks (laughs) thanks pc gamer Uh, the epic game (laughs) store is becoming something of a pc gaming meta platform having recently started making discrete gaming platforms available to download from its own storefront. Earlier this year, itch.io came to Epic Game Store, and now it plays host to cloud gaming platform Antstream Arcade, which lets you play over 1,200 retro games for free on your PC. My favorite four-letter word, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a huge games library focusing mostly on games from the 80s and early 90s, uh, Double Dragon, Gauntlet, and Metal Slug are excellent co-op options to bash and blast your way through. The Amiga version of Barbarian is a deceptively realistic uh, distant ancestor of the promising hellish court and sensible world of soccer. Uh, takes me back to a time where the football and its video games were more innocent. Um, I'd love to see a full list yeah. of all the games they have. Uh, the free tier is ad-supported, but it still gives you access to all the games, while the premium ad-free version costs £10 a month. One of the free games on Epic this week is actually a welcome pack for AntStream. So um, you can also find it on Steam if, you're, uh, if you play your games through Steam as well. So oh, awesome. This, uh, this sounds really promising, actually. I'm going to have to check this out because I actually have the Epic Games uh, app on my computer. I'll have to fire it up and see if I can access the AntStream Arcade because this sounds pretty awesome, honestly. Yeah, I I would love to, like I said, see a full list of what they have. And yeah, I mean, ads don't really bother me if I know I'm getting something for free. Yeah. So that's probably what I'll do. If I check this out, but sounds really cool. Well, looking at some of the ones they have in the picture here, I mean, they have things like uh, the arcade version of Akari Warriors, um, Karate on uh, the Atari 2600 version of just Karate. That's all it is, mm-hmm. Karate. Yeah. Uh, Mortal Kombat, um, Zingson, however you pronounce that. Um, some pretty cool looking stuff. Galaga. I yep, mean, this looks Galaga. like it might definitely be something worth checking out. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah, same. All right, well, that brings us to the end of the news. Let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history.
In December of 1980, Data East releases the Deco, I guess that's how you say it, Deco Deco cassette system, the first standardized arcade platform for which many games are developed. Uh, I think we talked about this before. Um, it was, didn't have, oh, I was, might have been thinking about something else, but I remember we talked about something in uh, video game history where they actually had it almost like VHS tapes where they put it into the arcade machines. Do you remember that? Yeah, I can't remember if this was it specifically. I want to say it might have had a different name, but are the, the, the inner workings of arcade machines fascinate me because like the technology to me is completely foreign. Like I know the only thing I know about the inner workings of arcade machines is when we talk about it during this segment. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's, it, it says here the arcade owner would buy a base cabinet while the games were stored on standard audio cassettes. I remember us talking about that. Yeah. Uh, they would insert the cassette and a security dongle into the cabinet. It's crazy to think that it works off something as simple as that. Oh, I know. Yeah. I used to have the, uh, the audio cassette or the cassette player for the Commodore 64. And that's how we used to save games back in the day was just on regular cassette tapes. Uh, cassette tapes. Yeah. So fun. <laughs> that and VHS. Uh, I'm, I'm so glad we're, I mean, I love collecting VHS tapes, but man, I'm so glad we're beyond that technology now. Well, I remember getting the, uh, I think there were like eight or nine hour blank tapes and I would record episodes of <laughs> Whose Line Is It Anyway. Oh, yeah. I still, I still have some of those tapes at my parents' house. I have at least like five or six of those, like slam full of episodes of that show. Oh, yeah. Uh, December of 1981, Jump Bug, the first scrolling platform game, is distributed in North America by Rock Ola under license from Sega. Jump Bug? Do I remember this game? I don't think I know I we've do. talked about it before because I recognize the the um, poster. And yeah, it screams early 80s. Reminds me a little bit of the poster from Burger Time as far as the yeah, animation it does. style. Yeah, but I don't think I've ever played Jump Bug, though. It's definitely not uh, <laughs> It's not a classic. No, it, it'd be one of those obscure games that I'd be interested in trying, though. Yeah. Um, December 1982, Atari releases E.T. The Extraterrestrial, written in five and a half weeks. It's one of the games that sparks the video game crash of 1983. It's, it's definitely the, the final nail in the coffin. It's not the game that caused the crash, but it was definitely the final nail in the coffin for the video game crash. And um, yeah, I remember getting that game as a kid, and I, I still have it. With my Atari 2600, but man, that game was not good at all. So I've never played the actual game before. I want to, to review it for this show. <laughs> I think we should. Actually, they, they, our Discord community has uh, asked us to review it before, uh, jokingly. And I'm like, you know what? I think They, they know better, though. They we, know better, like, because I'll do it. <laughs> I will totally do it. We might actually have to. I wonder if there's a way. I mean, I could pull out the 2600 and fire it, fire it up and, you know, play it. But I wonder if there's a way I can emulate it somewhere. That way I don't have to do all that. Yeah, that's how I would have to do it. We should find it and review it next month. Okay. <laughs> Make it one of... Start the year off right. Yeah, with E.T., the extraterrestrial <laughs> for Atari 2600. What are we doing uh, to ourselves? Uh, and it will be in that week that I will get kicked off the show permanently. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, whenever I posted this, I was like, you know what? We should review it. Like, it, it should just happen. So. I think we should. I mean, there's an actual way to play the game. Uh, there's like a story and it, there's certain ways that we'd have to look up some sort of walkthrough to be able to play yeah. the game. Yeah. I wonder if I'll quit that game sooner than I did Superman 64. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we should time ourselves. We should. 
Because I, I know that maybe if we play it with a walkthrough, we might actually be able to get somewhere. But that was the whole problem with the game is nobody knew what the hell to do in the game. It doesn't, it's not intuitive at all. Oh, my favorite you, kind of game. You just keep falling into holes and like, it just sucks. Well, moving on to some better games. Uh, on December 17th, 1984, Nintendo releases Ice Climber and Balloon Fight for the Famicom. I love Balloon Fight. Balloon Fight is such an underrated game for the, oh, for the Nintendo. Balloon Fight's a classic. And Ice Climbers, I never played the Ice Climber game. I learned about them when they were included in Super Smash Brothers. I'm like, who who the hell are these two? <laughs> I still don't so think I I've ever research. played Ice Climber. To this day, I don't think I've ever played Ice Climber. Yeah, I want to say, yeah, it was Melee they were, they were introduced in. Like, I had no clue who they were. But I was like, sure enough, they're from an old video game back in the 80s. Yeah, Balloon Fight is fun, though. If you've, ever, if you've never yeah. played Balloon Fight, I think it's actually available on the Switch, the, uh, the NES uh, online. You can play I believe it. you're right. It's sort of uh, sort of like Joust, kind of. It's one of those games that, like, if you're looking for something fairly simple to play. Yeah. It's a fun two-player game. If you, ever, if you can find somebody else to play, with, play it with, it's really fun. Yeah. I mean, it's very simple, but it's fun. Um, December 19th of 1986, Nintendo releases Kid Icarus in Japan. I almost reviewed that. For this week, but I was like, you know, I, I want to actually put some time into Kid Icarus because I've been playing it off and on the last few months. But man, that game starts out brutally hard. Yeah, I've played it um, very briefly, but I, I do remember that specifically. Where it's just like, and I've heard. Yeah. I mean, I, people have told me that it actually gets a little easier as you go along. People have said the same thing about Fester's Quest. Like, well, you got got to kind of grind to get better weapons to like, because it, it, there's no learning curve. It just kind of throws you to the wolves. And the same with Kid Icarus. It's like it just it just starts out hard. Well, I remember because I, I never played the game growing up, but I remember Pit was included in Smash Brothers Brawl, and that sparked a little bit of a comeback because he got a new game for the 3DS. Uh, Kid Icarus Uprising. Yeah. Which I never played, but I, I I thought, you know, the fact that he was included in Smash Brothers and people online, I remember, seemed to love it. And it was enough to get a new game out of it. Well, so. It seems like it would be the kind of game that, you know, they could very easily move to a 3D world, sort of, you know, a la yeah. Zelda. But I mean, it might be a little too close to what Zelda is, and that's probably why they haven't. But, you know, the flight mechanic might be something interesting to work with. I don't know. I don't know what Nintendo has planned for Kid Icarus. I've heard rumblings of a Kid Icarus reboot uh, new game, but that's been... I've been hearing that for like seven, eight years now. <laughs> it's been a long time. I think the better question would be, do they know what yeah, they want to do with Kid exactly. Icarus? <laughs> and finally... December 18th, 1987, a day that will live in video game infamy. Square's <laughs> Hironobu Sakaguchi releases Final Fantasy for the Famicom in Japan. Originally intended to be the company's last release, the game's success resulted in a prolific series and was released in the U.S. three years later. Crazy to think a, a world without Square. Yeah. So many great RPGs would not have been made. Yeah, but to know that they unleashed Final Fantasy upon the world is <laughs> a bit unforgivable. True. Well, you you take the good with the bad, I guess. Yeah, you take the bad, take the good, take the bad, uh, play Final Fantasy, and there you have the facts of gaming or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I I've played quite a few games from Square that I do like. So yeah, Square's overall, a good. I'm happy they did not go out of business. Square's a great publisher. They make great games, and I I, I kid about Final Fantasy. Um, but uh, if you guys want me to do a Final Fantasy game, you're either gonna have to get us to a hundred bucks a month on Patreon, or you're gonna have to get to a hundred signatures. And I don't think either one's gonna happen <laughs> before January. 
Well, you never know. We'll see. The, the, the month is very young. <laughs> but speaking of Patreon, we like to do Patreon shoutouts where all the lovely people that keep us afloat every single month. We like to shout them out right here on the show. So, Derek, would you like to shout out our lovely patrons? I would love to. We want to shout out Xblade 07, Daniel Salmon, Armes Jackson, Hand Solo, Carlos Longoria, a.k.a. I Am The Rampage, Rampage. Staff Sergeant Sketch, Brandon Rutledge, Gus and Penny, Matthew Salmon, Joey Image, Ron Johnson, Mixmaster, and Mike Eveland. Thank you all so much for your continued contributions. And Jason and I were actually discussing this before we started recording. Uh, we have dropped below the $50 level again. And for those that are recurring Patreon subscribers, because I ran into this issue earlier today, mm-hmm. be sure to check to make sure that Patreon is processing your payment because it didn't process any of mine through the multiple Patreons that I'm subscribed to. So definitely go check. You may have to do it every month or every other month. I know it can be annoying. Yeah. I don't know why it's that way. It's just Patreon. Uh, I mean, it's it sucks, but I mean, it's the way yeah. we make money, so it's kind of hard to move elsewhere when there's nothing nowhere else to move to. Yeah, so definitely definitely check that and as another side note, for new Patreons, uh, be sure to send us your social media, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, so we can give you a proper shout out. If you want to be a part of our Patreon, we just did a really fun commentary track for Toy Story uh, that's available on Patreon now, and you get early access to so many other commentary tracks that we do, such as uh, Clue, Super Mario Brothers, Big Trouble in Little China, or just a few of the really fun ones that we've done uh, we post polls on what you'd like us to review so if you want to be a part of that awesome community just head on over to patreon.com slash retro hey guys we got to tell you about b res coffee company made by gamers for gamers right here on the gulf coast in pensacola florida no matter what your taste in coffee are they got you covered you like light or medium roast try the necro medium holy grail light or stamina boost They can even add flavors to your coffee, like iCast Fireball, which is a fireball whiskey flavor. If you like darker roasts like I do, then try the Critical Dark or Coup Slayer Mocha Roast, or the Gamers on the Edge Esports Roast. They even have holiday-inspired roasts like Fall Spice, Sweet Tooth, or the Muffin Man. Do you know the Muffin Man? (laughs) Can't decide what you want for those all-night gaming sessions? Then try one of their specialty sample packs. All roasts are made with fair trade Colombian beans. So stop buying all that crappy coffee from the grocery store and head over to brezcoffeecode.com and use our code NCR for 10% off of your order. And tonight we're going to be talking about... Golden Axe is a side-scrolling beat-em-up hack-and-slash arcade video game released in 1989 by Sega for the System 16B arcade hardware. Makoto Uchida was the primary developer of the game and also was responsible for the creation of Altered Beast. Several ports of the game were created, most notably for the Mega Drive Genesis and Master System. Um, and I will be talking about the Sega Genesis version of the game because this weekend I fired up my Genesis Mini um, just to see, because uh, I haven't fired it up in a while. So I fired it up just to see you know, if I wanted to play anything. And um, I, I remember we were talking about um, Alex Kidd a few weeks ago. And I was like, you know what? I've n- I don't think I've ever played the Alex Kidd. Um, it's called uh, In the Enchanted Castle. Alex Kidd in the Enchanted Castle for the uh, Sega Genesis on the on the Mini, and I fired it up and I was playing it, and that game is terrible. <laughs> the the controls are awful. Like I, it's no wonder Alex Kidd was not uh, the the mascot that they wanted him to be. You know, the kind of the Mario compatriot. He's uh, just not that at all. They're so lucky that they came up with Sonic the Hedgehog because Alex Kidd was not going to do it. Uh, and I don't know why people like those games because that was the most terrible, 
awful control scheme I've ever played in a side scroller. Well, now I know not to play that game, so yeah. I appreciate the, <laughs> it's the not up. good. It, I played it for maybe thirty minutes, and I could barely get past the first stage. It's that bad. It's like Ugh. it's the kind of controls where not, not only is your your punching and kicking like way too short, um, but the hit boxes are crazy on your character. Like I try to punch something, and and I would die before I could even get a punch off. Um, and when you jump, you have to do platforming and it's sort of like, um, sort of like the Noid where it feels like you're on an ice level on every level, even though you're not on ice. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do this. (laughs) I don't want to do this at all. So I started playing golden axe. I was like, you know what? I really like golden axe. I haven't played this game in forever. So I started playing it and played it for a while on Sunday and played all three different characters. Um, and the, the story of the game is in ancient times, a race of ruthless giants appeared from the darkness of the world and challenged the great gods to a battle. Both forces fought to a stalemate and the fight seemed to last forever. But the fight, uh, the fight suddenly came to an end when the power of giants had been contained and they were driven, uh, away back to the darkness. Battle was over, but it led to the demise of many of those who had fought. Those left alive in the land of the gods honed a weapon, the Golden Axe. After a long time, humans began to emerge in the former land of the gods. The Golden Axe already left the hand of the gods, and the land was reigned by humans. One of the evil giants that had survived, Death Adder, tricked the humans and took the axe. Evil forces returned to the land, starting an era of darkness. And, of course, you have three different characters that you can play as. Um, You can play as uh, a barbarian... And you, each character gets their own. Um, not only do they have, you know, melee because the barbarian has a sword. You have um, uh, what was her? I'm trying to find the names of the character, but you have a dwarf character that, uh, of course, has a, a, a two-handed axe. Um, and you have uh, Tyrus Flare, an Amazon wielding a long sword, and she probably has the best um, magic powers out of the three. Definitely the strongest. Um, I definitely I liked using her character for because she had the best um, magic powers. But I like using the dwarf because he had the longest reach with the axe and probably the strongest melee character in the game. And it's pretty much your your basic side scrolling uh, hack and slash. You're going through the levels and the level design still to this day looks great on this game. Uh, the movements are a little bit stiff, but that's kind of to be understood. I mean, you're talking about an 80s-era side-scroller <clears throat> and definitely an early game for the Sega Genesis. But what was amazing is how you know you could get that arcade that close to, the, to an arcade experience on the Sega Genesis, you know, a home console at that time. Like, it was just kind of amazing. Well, and I haven't had a chance to play this game yet. You know, I, I've scrolled past it several times in pl- um, playing the Genesis Mini, and I've been intrigued by it. I've just never gone back and played it, and I didn't really even know what it was about, but just the cover art kind of intrigued me, and I, I looked up some screenshots and watched a little bit of gameplay. The graphics remind me a little bit of one of the games that I talked about very early on in the show, illusion of Gaia for the Super mm. Nintendo yeah. as far as you know the the backgrounds and the way the characters look they look maybe a little more detailed yeah. which is interesting because it's a side-scrolling beat-em-up type game but it looks like a lot of fun and I, I think the the backgrounds and the level design look great um, and still you know, that's what I love about games from that era is that they still hold up to this day. And there are games for the Switch. You know, I'm there for other consoles too, but I'm just using the Switch as the main example that yeah. still have that same look. And it still holds up to this day. Yeah, I mean, the backgrounds, like the detail in the backgrounds looks great. It's got that really cool kind of old D&D look to it. You know, like yeah. uh, medieval type of scenery. And then, of course, the character designs are really great. They're fun to look at and there's so many different um bad guy uh you know different types of bad guys 
uh, to fight throughout the game. You're not just fighting like the same looking characters over and over again. There's a lot of variation in the uh, the different character types, and it's just a really fun, you know, beat 'em up side scrolling hack and slash. Like if that's your thing, that's you know, Golden Axe is kind of like the, uh, you know, the the original. Uh, I wouldn't say I don't I don't know if it's the original, but it's definitely the one that stand to me stands out the most from this era. Like Golden Axe was always in the arcades, always at like pizzerias and things of that nature. Like it was, it was just one of those games that was everywhere. And I, they even have a golden ax, um, arcade one up set at, set up at the, uh, the GameStop near my house. And I was actually tempted not too long ago when I went in there. Cause it's a beautiful machine, you know, that, that little arcade one up stand up. I haven't seen that one. I didn't even know that anything existed. Yeah, they had it in there. It was plugged in. Um, I don't think you could play it because of you know COVID protocols and stuff. But it was still it looked beautiful. And um, that's the thing. Like even on just the Genesis version, it's almost a a perfect port of the the arcade version. And I which you didn't get a lot of back then. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was saying. Like even Nintendo, you didn't get a great port of a. Uh, of you know uh, arcade titles until the Super Nintendo came along and then they could really do arcade ports like you look at the Nintendo couldn't do it i mean that's why you got no. i mean yeah turtles the arcade game was fun but it wasn't near what the arc- actual arcade game was and then you could actually have that with um the turtles in time with the Super Nintendo, and then it's like, okay, this looks exactly like the arcade game, you know? Yeah. How would you compare this to other side-scrolling beat-em-up games from from that time? Like, when I think of side-scrolling beat-em-ups, I think of, like, Double Dragon. It's definitely not as fast-paced. Like, it's a little bit slower. Like, your characters move a little slower. It's definitely not something you're going to try to speed run. <laughs> you know, it's not It's not like Final Fight. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, Final Fight can be a little slow, but, you know, your characters move fast. And, you know, you, and, and even with games like Streets of Rage and stuff like that, like, those are fast-paced games. This is very, you know, slow, like swinging swords. Um, you know, and they, you have little goblins that come through the uh, the stage every once in a while and you kick them and they, they release, uh, you know, magic, um, little magic vials that you collect and you get those and you can kind of save them up throughout the level. And like I said, the what's her name again? Let me look it up real quick. What was her name? The, uh, uh, the Amazon? Yeah, the Amazon. I, I, Is it Tyrus Flair? Yeah, Tyrus Flair. She has the one where you could collect six of them. And the more you collect, the more powerful it's going to be when you use it. So with her, if you get all the way up to six and you get to the boss, you know, you can pretty much just hit that and almost get the bosses to where they're almost dead. And so that's pretty easy to do with her. Um, and of course, you... you you only get to do that you know, one time and then you have to build it back up again. It's not something you can use over and over again. It's something you definitely, uh, you want to save your magic power for when you absolutely 100% need it or you're going to die. Right. The thing that intrigues me the most about this game, and it's something that I don't think people really think of when you think of this type of game, the story sounds kind of interesting. Like it sounds like, something you would see in like a Conan the Barbarian movie or yeah. like a, a movie of that type. It's exactly like that. It's sort of like um, in between each stage, you kind of have like a Castlevania type map where it shows you where the next area you're going to. And it gives you a little bit of the more of the story every time you go in between each level. So you can kind of see yourself getting closer and closer to where you need, you know, where the, your, the final battle is going to be. Or whatever, and so, like I said, you get you actually get story with this game. It has a story to it. It's not just a straight, no, not kind of like Double Dragon, where you 
don't really get a story. You just know that your girlfriend got punched in the stomach and you have to go save her. Like that's all really the, all the story you get for that game. But this one, they actually put like time and effort into the actual story of it. I, I like that, especially with this type of a game. Cause like we said, it's not really what this genre is known for. So yeah. to hear that that's actually a big part of it, is is actually really good to hear. And what's cool about it is it's got great music too. Each level has its own theme. You're not listening to the same music over and over again. Every time you go to a different area, a different stage, you have new music. And that I like that a lot. Like there's something yeah. to be said for you know games like the original Super Mario Brothers where you kind of get that, you know, that the music's so good it doesn't matter that it's kind of the same thing over and over again. Because it just sort of, that's what we had, and you know, that's why we know those songs so well. But then you got some games where, you know, like the Ghostbusters game a few weeks ago, where you're going to hear that same thing through the entire game, and it gets real old real fast. But then you got games like this, and Ninja Gaiden did the same thing, where each level had its own separate soundtrack, like theme. And this is exactly like that. Each level has a different set of music, and it's really good music. It's not crap. And that's another thing. I was curious about that as well was the the quality of the music because we're both fans of 8-bit and 16-bit music from that era because it's also, to me, timeless as well. Yeah. You got, I'll find myself, and I'll go back and listen to the soundtrack from, say, like Link to the Past or... Super Mario World or other games from the Super Nintendo because that style of music is still just so good, Yeah, in my opinion. It's interesting, as we brought up Conan the Barbarian, the lead producer of the game was actually fond of action movies, specifically Conan the Barbarian, and wanted to create a game that was influenced (laughs) by those movies. And especially from the poster alone, like that's what I instantly thought of, was that shot of, you know, Arnold with the... You know, just his like eight pack. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he had more than the six pack. <laughs> yeah, the cover it's... sort of looks like a cross between like Conan and like Beastmaster, like those type yes. of movies. <laughs> yep. But absolutely. Uh, but definitely, in my opinion, the the actual barbarian of the game is the worst character in the game. I hated using him. He sucks. <laughs> I, li- <laughs> I like the other two characters way better. Yeah, I I'm very interested to to try this game out now. Now that I've heard your take on it and I've seen a little bit of gameplay on it, I I want to fire up the Genesis Mini and try it because, like I said, I've thought about it several times but just never pulled the trigger on it. Yeah, there's also uh, rideable monsters in the game. I forgot to mention this. Like every once in a while, you'll come across some enemies that are riding different monsters, and there's this one. Um, and I didn't know this is what it was called until I looked at the wiki here, which is on uh, goldenaxe.com or goldenaxe.fandom.com slash wiki. And uh, this thing is known as the weirdest looking animal. It's, I think it's in the first stage. And it's known as the chicken leg. And it first appeared in Altered Beast. And it can be used to knock down enemies with the swipe of its tail. And the funniest one was... The, the the female character and the dwarf both look normal when they're riding it, but when the barbarian rides it, he looks he's all like and I don't know if they meant for him to like look like that when he's riding it, but he looks so stupid when he's riding it. It's so dumb. They should have named it the drumstick. Yeah. <laughs> and of course they have blue dragon and red dragons. Um they I think the blue dragons are the ones that shoot um uh, fire breath. And the red dragons shoot fireballs. Um, okay. Those are pretty cool. I like when I when I come across the the dragons in the game. Because what's a medieval setting game if you don't have a dragon? Exactly. And of course, most of your uh, bosses throughout the game are the giants. Um, like the first level is uh, you fight two giants, and then the second level I think it's two more giants, and then you get to the third level, and it's like this one giant but he's wearing like this crazy armor and he has like a fire sword like each level you get you fight like a different giant or a pair of giants at the end of each level so that's why i say 
if you're going through the level, try to save your magic attacks if you can until you get to the boss because you're definitely going to need it. For sure. Uh, something that is interesting to me is uh, on the Wikipedia page, especially looking at the list of platforms that this game's available on goes from arcade to Sega Genesis, uh, the master system, Commodore 64 it was also released on the Xbox 360 and PS3. Mm -hmm. It's also available on mobile devices. So this game has had some serious staying power. Oh, yeah. Which is extremely impressive to me. Yeah, let me look. I was trying to find that. I I can't see where you see that on the wiki page, but uh, but yeah, all it's the on different... the, the Wikipedia page. Yeah, all the different ports and remakes of this game. You know, it's been on every single. I think every single Sega Genesis Classic collection that's been out for the last, you know, thirty years. This game is on it, and it's for a reason. It's a great game. It's a fun game. There's absolutely nothing wrong with this game. Um, other than it's just, it's kind of, it's paced a little slow, but I'm okay with that. You know, the older I get, I kind of, I'm kind of okay with a slower paced, um, action fighting game. Yeah. I, I feel you on that. And I, I've been kind of wanting to go back and play you know, something with a little more methodical pace. Cause I, I find myself finding games that are fast paced. Yeah. That you know, I can just sit down for, you know, twenty minutes, play it, and then I'm done. Like I, I, I kind of want to play something with a little more, a little more story and a little more methodical pace to it. And I think it would be a fun game to play to two player. Uh, you know, if you get your girlfriend or a wife or friend or whoever you got to sit down and play this with you, I think you're gonna have a lot of fun playing this game. Um, it definitely. Feels like it should be a two-player game because sometimes it does get kind of rough with all the enemies on the screen. So it's kind of like you're like, yeah, this was meant to be a, a played as two-player during this part because there's a lot of enemies on screen. Um, but other than that, I mean, other than that, I, I th it's still a pretty fun single-player game to play. And even you only get three continues, but I mean, you can still get pretty far into the game even if you're not that good by just you know, going through it and taking your time and, and watching what you're doing. It, it's not a punishing game. It's not like, you know, it's not like ghouls and ghosts or anything like that, where it just, the game is made to punish you. Like this game doesn't feel like that. This, this game feels like the kind of game that maybe the reason it was so popular in the arcades is because you could put one quarter in it and play for a pretty decent amount of time. I think the fact that you said it's not like Super Ghouls and Ghosts is that's enough of a selling point right there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a punishing game by by any means. It's not frustrating like where you, you can't even get through the first level. It's it's just, you know, like Ghouls and Ghosts or Ghosts and Goblins, whichever version you you've ever played, like that game is just punishing. Like it it, it wants your quarters. That's what that game was made for was to be in the arcade and to kill you as fast as possible so that you'll keep pumping quarters in. But this game seems like, hey, come on over. Put a quarter in. You can, you can play for a good 10, 15 minutes. It's a light eater. Yeah. yeah and I like it. Yeah. So what, uh, score-wise, what would you give it? You know, it, it it's not a perfect game because, yeah, it's got its flaws. It's... Uh, sometimes the hit detection is a little weird. It's one of those games where you got to kind of be on this. It's that three quarter view where you got to be on the same plane as the other person to hit them. That gets a little wonky sometimes, but I think that kind of knocks at least a point or two off. So I'm going to say this game, this game's a solid C. It's a good seven out of 10. It's a good solid C of a game. I respect that. It's definitely I, worth I, playing. I, I think that's. It, you know, That's what it seems like from what little I've seen of it. Yeah, if you have any any of the Sega Genesis collections or you have the Genesis Mini, play Golden Axe if you've never played it before. I think you'll really enjoy it. Now I'm excited to check it out. 
But uh, that's going to bring us to the end of the episode. A little bit slower paced episode this week, uh, which is okay because, you know. It's fitting. Yeah, it's fitting. We're entering the end of the, the, the Christmas season. Everything's everything's hectic out in the world. It's nice to just kind of sit here and unwind for a second. Absolutely. But uh, what do you got going on with the feature Prez pod? So I uh, launched the Patreon today and uh for those who are interested in possibly subscribing and checking it out uh it's interesting because the actual show doesn't launch until next month but i wanted to go ahead and start the patreon because fan interaction is going to be the backbone of the show yeah so i've got three polls up for uh watch along commentary track for a roundtable discussion as well as um, a top five list. So you can vote on those. And I've got the original episode of the Nerd Cave podcast, the very first podcast I ever did from May of 2013 is on on the Patreon feed. And longtime listeners know about the short film I did a couple of years ago, The Mm -hmm. Parker Syndrome. Well, I've mentioned this before. There's an original version that I did right when I got out of college back in 2008, that full film is on the feature presentation Patreon. Really? So you've got quite a bit of content, (laughs) and I'm going to be posting more stuff uh, throughout the month. You know, I've got a couple of interviews in the can already. Um, I'm going to post one probably next week, and then I'll do another the week after. So uh, as we get closer to the show launch, I'm going to – basically let everybody know what the schedule is for like what week I'm going to release retro audio, um, new videos, things like that. So a lot of, a lot of stuff going on. And then on uh, social media, I'm actually doing a Christmas movie tournament that you can vote on, mm-hmm. uh, on Twitter and Instagram. So if you want to follow the new show on social media, it's at feature Prez pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And, and man, poor Christmas story. It just got destroyed. <laughs> what I feel like Wally was like a, a mafia hitman. Yeah. That, that just put, he put the word out and I'm sure Christmas story, I think is like still sleeping at the bottom of the bay. Yeah. It, it just got steamrolled by the, uh, the Muppet community. Poor Ralph. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be very curious because I, I could see Muppet Christmas Carol making it pretty far. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Or, so, so originally, I was only going to do eight movies. But the polls have been doing so well that I think I'm going to increase it to 16. Awesome. And then just, you know, go through it up until Christmas. Yeah. I, will, I, I like will a good bracket this, system. <laughs> at, at some point, the movies Die Hard and Batman Returns will be included. As they should. And they should not be up against one another. No, they won't be. I'm sorry. I love Batman Returns, but Die Hard will destroy it. I'll say that without even having to see a poll. I want the finals to be Die Hard versus Christmas Vacation. That's a tough one. Be a very tough one. <laughs> I, me personally, like I think Christmas Vacation would just barely edge it out for me, but it's close. Yeah, that's. I I don't I I don't even think I could. I don't even want to vote on that. Like I love those two movies equally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot lot of fun stuff going on on uh, on social media. So just follow me at Feature Press Pod on. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Fantastic. I went over and followed you on Patreon a little while ago. I'm going to wait till the nice. holidays before I, I sub sub up. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we just did an, uh, another episode of Open Micers earlier tonight with Mo Alexander returning to the show. And uh, the things we discussed this episode, I just want to say, if you're going to go listen to it, parental discretion is advised. So... Head over so to use headphones. Yes, please. Uh, headphones. <laughs> don't let the children near. And uh, it's at Open Micers on Twitter and Instagram. So, <laughs> yeah. Did, did I ever tell you the story of how there was a stand-up comedy show at um, at the Blue Wahoo Stadium like a year or so ago? No. So, 
there was a it was for a local college there were three stand-up comedians and i can't remember their names i wish i could because that would make the story so much better um i i had to work it because they wanted you know like a camera op and there we had to use like our pa system and everything and it's notorious for being a family-friendly environment and I'm thinking there's no way that this is going to happen because I've been to multiple stand-up comedy shows and uh, I know that they are not like that at uh, all. D- did they know they were supposed to not, were they to keep I, it not blue? <laughs> from what I was told, they were told that. However, <laughs> the first comedian, and I, I, have, I have to explicitly say it because it, it would just butcher the story if I didn't. The first comedian, he grabs the microphone, and there's probably about, I'd say, around 100 people mm-hmm. that are there. Walks up on stage, grabs the microphone, and goes, how the fuck y'all doing? <sighs> and I'm like, well, we're just, I told uh, my, the director that was on headset, I said, put your seatbelt on, because we're, we're going for a ride. Uh, yeah. It was hilarious, though. Wow. I loved it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, fun, fun stories. One day I'm going to write a book about my experience. You there. should. I think you should. I think that would be a, an interesting read. We'll, uh, we'll see what happens, <laughs> but, uh, that's going to bring us to the end of the show. Is there anything else you need to tell the people before we get out of here tonight? Oh, real quick. Uh, next week I'm going to review Jack and Daxter, the precursor legacy for the PlayStation two and this Friday is actually the 20 year anniversary ah. of that game. It's uh, if people don't know about it, it's uh, a platforming game made by Naughty Dog that was their next attempt to create a franchise after Crash Bandicoot. So I've been playing it um, on the PS4. Uh, they they're doing a sale right now where you can get all four games for 20 bucks. Hmm. So took advantage of that, and uh, I've had a lot of fun going back and playing it. So excited to talk about it next week and we have a very special episode coming up uh mid-december uh december 15th it's going to be uh, i don't even want to say it i'll um, i'm gonna keep it close to the vest but we're gonna have a few people on the show that night to talk about a very special uh star wars game i'll just say that yes so be prepared be prepared but uh, I'm going to go ahead and play our music here. If you'd like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We are at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro. And, of course, individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. Go get our merch at ncrmerch.com. Now is the time because uh, they're running a sale this week. Go get your NCR merch. Get it in time for Christmas. And, uh, of course, we have our Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro, where as little as a dollar a month helps us keep the lights on and keeps us, if you keep us above the $50 level, we'll keep doing the commentary tracks every single month. And if you can't do that, times are tough, I understand. Leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. So, Derek, please tell them what it's all about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. Yes. Oh, a fellow chucker, eh? Uh...